All right. Thank you for some backheads in music. All right. We've got. Welcome to the Brock Lurie Podcast with Brock Lurie. I'm his producer. He shall not be named today. Bye. <laughs> and, uh. Yeah. Let's figure out what to say. Okay, let's start the podcast. Brock, here's Brock. Talk, Brock. <laughs> well, That's what we call know. professional recording skills. Oh, God. <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're here in this uh, great uh, podcasting warehouse. Uh, where all podcasts are done. Warehouse? At. I thought this was an outhouse. <laughs> you, you know that all podcasts are done in one central location. Uh, everyone who uh, does a podcast, in fact, has to come to this. It's called uh, Podcast USA. It's, it's got its own uh, zip code. And, uh, you know, you, you have to rent out a certain area. It looks like an office. And then uh, and everyone meets each other, all these podcast people. It's very interesting. It's a little known fact. So, look, today <laughs> I'd like to talk to you. But, uh, you know, a couple of different things that are happening. And one of them is uh, this notion of, uh, well, the culture of uh, violence that we're, we're dealing with and how it impacts the law and otherwise and what the law is going to be facing in the near future uh, from a criminal context. Uh, we have, um, well, just for example, uh, very recently we had this horrible, horrible situation in Connecticut. Um, where um, these two monsters came in and killed uh, a bunch of kids, uh, a bunch of faculty, and I suppose others as well. And this is a, uh, it's just, it's so distra uh, distressing, so terrifying, and so sad. And we have, of course, these other situations just like it. We have Columbine and uh, uh, you, you name it. There's been uh, more than enough, and we can count it certainly more than on one hand. And I wonder whether or not these kind of things were happening, let's say, back in 1940, back in 1945. I'm talking about not, not, not among the crazies in Europe and such. I'm talking about in America itself. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think we had this kind of attitude. And I wonder where it comes from. Um, some people will say, well, it comes from videos, right? I mean, after all, videos uh, showcase this and kind of glorify this. I don't think so. Not from videos. What kind of videos? Do you mean like rap music videos with like... Uh, that, uh, I'm talking about the game videos. Oh, video games. Yeah, video games. Yeah. Halo, Medal right. of Honor. Right. Okay. Uh, Grand Theft I, Auto. Yeah, and I've seen them. And I think those are maybe more of a reflection of the culture rather than a uh, leader of the culture. And so it, it may be putting the cart before the horse, as they say. Um, I, I think on the contrary... There's something deeper than that, and Ari, you and I were talking about this uh, before the uh, the show, that it really is uh, a reflection of the devaluation of life. We have the culture now that thinks that life is uh, well, not, not not as important as we we may. Well, think yeah, about. we're not not only not as important, right. downright worthless. Right. Uh, because even people who have great lives will often talk about how awful their lives are. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. How different, how worthless this life is. Oh, I just work to pay the bills, and oh, I just buy stuff right. that's worthless. And have what's you, it all worth? Which actually, you're, you're you're jumping to a very good point. Which is, have you ever noticed that when you talk to a typical conservative family or a family member, and you ask them, "How's life?" Right? What do they say? Uh, usually, wonderful. We're wonderful. enjoying it. Yeah. Thrilled to be alive. Right. 
it's a gift. All the all the burdens in life, Bingo. while it might be a pain in the backside at time, excuse me, posterior right. at times. That's right. Are all part of mitzvah essentially. That's right. It's a blessing. A lot of times they say, blessing. "Well, God willing, I'm just we're just so blessed and we're just so thankful that you know little Sally got into uh, this school and all that stuff or or that and well you know God God's gonna provide what God's gonna provide and they just seem thankful. Let's put it that way. Whereas the classic uh, non-religious family, I won't even say liberal family, uh, I'll say just a, a non-religious family, typically will stress out about everything and they think they have a very much woe uh, unto me attitude. And so just like what you're saying, I think that they are, they do feel that uh, life is uh, full of pain. Life is, uh, is burdened. And... They don't appreciate what they do have. They don't realize how good they actually have it. And as a consequence, they begin to expect it out of everyone else's life. They, they, they want everyone else's lives to be as meaningless as they perceive their own lives to be. So what do you, what do you have? You have people that uh, go about thinking that their lives are worthless. Well, therefore, everyone else's lives are worthless. I don't think that, that a lot of these people, a lot, I think a lot of American culture... Uh, a lot of people in American culture believe that life they, they don't they don't go about saying that life is the most important thing. How about that? Well, I back to your original point where you're talking about say the nineteen forties or fifties of America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a generation that was coming off of two world wars where people actually understood the cost of death. Right. And and they saw what death and, looked like. And they saw what death looked like on a mass and horrific scale. Yeah. And they also understood uh what life uh looked like and and they understood also with these wonderful innovations that they were starting to, the first generation to really enjoy not just say the washing machine the refrigerator mm -hmm. the the dishwasher mm -hmm. but television mass communications media mobile independence through the automobile yeah life was a sweet blessing compared to the relatively not necessarily dark ages because we weren't living and, you know, famine-filled, uh, right. you know, uh, primeval times. But back in the, uh, as late as the 19-teens, mm -hmm. life was a burden. Just to go to the store and get some meat. Right. Or let's just say you bought a chicken. You had to pluck it. You had to gut it. You, had, you know, preparing a chicken for a woman uh, who was the head of the house, the mm -hmm. homemaker back right. in those days was an all-day affair. Absolutely. Come the 1950s, it's a trip to the market. I'm back in 20 minutes. Things ready in two hours. Yeah, and you got your microwave and everything else. Yeah. Even in the 50s. Look, uh, you're absolutely right. But you there was an attitude of, of can-do spirit. I hate the word candy because we we, but, but that we, sums lo up. we lost what that means in uh, yeah. by, by looking at those times as Pollyanna. But it was really an important Look, uh, I think can-do can do is a very good word, for, very good phrase for it. And uh, we have lost that. People just have no appreciation for it. Look, we've lost, we've lost, this is my big beef with the whole issue. We've lost track of time. And what do I mean by that? I mean, too many people are walking around the streets with no perception of how good they have it. And the only way you can know how good you have it is to know how difficult it was in the past. Right? I mean, or to come close to losing it. Right, Those right. Who have... Right, right. Very simple example. You know, we talked about this in another podcast, uh, air conditioning, Right. You don't enjoy air conditioning until you don't have it anymore, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Uh, and we, we take our cars for granted. We take so many things for granted, don't realize how good we have it. So we, we must be thrilled with what we have. Now, these two 
bastards, for lack of a better word. Uh, I would use more graphic language, but this I is, think I think that's an insult to bastards. That's right. You know, uh, these but two these, bastards who did what they did. Two, these two creatures. Yeah, that's these right. subhuman creatures. You know what? Mo monsters is a good yeah, word. Yeah, monsters. These two monsters who, who did what they did. Um, I doubt... I, for some reason, something tells me that they were not grateful people. These were people that um, saw life... Uh, that they had grievances, as it were, to, at, at whatever. They yeah. had... Uh, life had not treated them well uh, in, in so many different ways. They didn't get what was coming to them. Um, their friends weren't treating them the way that they felt that they should be treated, and or for that matter, that they weren't getting the goodies that they felt they were entitled to, whatever those goodies might be. And uh, they they decided to use whatever tools they had at their disposal to express themselves that way. And so, sure enough, here we are, uh, and they've killed many people in their wake in the process. I, I highly doubt that they had a, an appreciation for life, um, because had they done so, they would never have even entertained the idea in the first place. So, look, that and the many other instances we have, we're talking about a culture of, of ever-lessening value of life. And when you get to that, you ultimately end up with a culture of death, right? It's the only alternative. That's the alternative. It's the only way to go. Yeah. Now, we're not China yet, and I, I consider China to be a country of death. Um, that's where abortion has run amok. Uh, where if you die in the, if you get maimed in the streets, you're told. I mean, nobody nobody will come to, to your aid at all. People will just literally walk by you, even if you're a little girl. Communist utopia. That's a communist utopia, yeah. and that's what it is because they do not value life. You are but a number. And Ari, I think you mentioned um, some some uh, musician. Um, he wanted to emphasize this point so much that he decided to put a big zero on his hat at some point uh, yeah. at a concert. And his message was essentially, I don't even dignify him, whoever it was, so let's not even mention his name, but some famous musician who at a concert put that in, and his whole notion was we are but numbers, and we would be all be better off somehow if we were numbers. If we lose our identity. If we lost all right. of our identities. Uh, putting aside the complete ignorance of, uh, of history uh, when you do that, because that's exactly what the communists would, would like. Would have or Nazis or any other that's right. petty you were, you were, dictator. You were a total number. Right. And no matter what some, you call the ism. That's right. Uh, it, it was such, it's such madness. But nevertheless, that is it. You, you necessarily, if you have that attitude, you must devalue your life and everyone else's lives. Uh, you, your life is utterly meaningless if that's if that's it. If, if by contrast, uh, if you are a believer in God, you, you know, at least the Judeo Christian God, then you are you think that every everybody's life has infinite value. And it does. It does. And that's why we so seek out to protect it, at least in America. And not not just infinite value to them, but right. infinite value to you. Right. And acting in your own greedy self-interest, that person that you don't appreciate or know could be your best customer someday, or the person who helps you you know, well, yeah, your yeah. life, for yeah. all you know. I, you know, I, I, I'm with you in that sense, but that, that, that appeals to the... Um, Utilitarian impulse uh, that liberals uh, love anyway. So, and I reject it. I reject it not because I don't think it's a good argument, Ari, but I think I think it is a good argument. Well, I don't mean utilitarian or, or in regard to possessions. Right. That's only one adjective. But that person that you don't appreciate over there may save your life someday, and you don't, you know. We, we value. I think the reason why. Let, let, let's put it this way. Let's say because because I, I, I don't mean to bust you completely on this, but let's say. Ow. No, seriously. <laughs> Okay, I'll give you a scenario. 
you, Ari David, young, young buck that you are, oui. all right, you see a little old lady, and she is uh, in a wheelchair, and she slips as she's going by a pool. She slips in such a way that she falls in the pool. And, there's no, and she's alone. There's nobody's, nobody's going to save her. And it's up to you, Ari David, to jump in their pool and sit, rescue this woman. You don't hesitate for a moment to, to get her. I know you. That's what you would do. You would jump in and uh, use all your strength to, to bring her out and to resuscitate her if necessary. Um, she's not going to provide for you in any shape or form. She, might not, she, she will never rescue you at the end of the day. Uh, she may even, in fact, have Alzheimer's and doesn't even know who you are. There's no quid pro quo between the two of you, but you'll do it anyway. And the reason why, Ari, is because you believe in the infinite value of life. Because God tells you to do it. Because you wouldn't be able to sleep well that night if you, didn't, if you did nothing. Well, that is true. But I'm making the addendum point that even if you are, are acting mm -hmm. only in your self-interest, right. it benefits you to respect people's okay. lives as well. But, but, but no, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, I'm, but I'm, I'm going gonna to shoot that down still. All right. Because using the... Yeah. <laughs> I hate it when you... Do... <laughs> You never close your eyes. <laughs> Remember that from Top Gun? He says, yeah. I hate it when she does that. Right. Uh, lost that lovely feeling. Um, the, uh, here's the other thing, the self-interest part of it. You can, in the exact same scenario, um, let's say now you've talked to yourself and you realize, look, it's not a pool anymore. It's a whirlpool <laughs> and it's actually and you don't swim so well you swim okay but you know it's kind of dangerous for you the weather's not great and uh, it's kind of whipping up uh, in fact that's a reason why she fell because the weather was so terrible and and it's cold and in fact uh, things are flying in the air and you might get hit by a tree and this is just dangerous and you're and you're better off just you know hiding behind a, a big oak tree that might be uh, will protect you and such you're not about to jump in the pool because by golly if you do, um, it might make more sense for you. Uh, you're going you're gonna to hurt yourself. So it makes more sense for you. It's your own self-interest to stay back and not do a thing. Let her die. Let her die. Because by all means, uh, you know, her wife, she's, only, she's 99 years old. You're a young buck uh, in your early 40s. And uh, as a consequence, there's uh, nothing to worry about. She was going to die anyway. Right? I mean, all that logic is right there. But you still, I know Ari David, you would still go in there, despite all that I just said there. Right? And the reason why, Ari... Tell me about that tree again. <laughs> the reason why is because you value the... You, you have... You place an infinite value on human life. And because God expects you to, to do that, you feel part of that. You feel there's a godliness inside you that knows it. And you will jump in at risk to yourself do that now uh that that is slowly going the way of the dodo this this impulse that we're just talking about and that's really what we're talking about today i i think that uh we're losing that sense of the infinite value of human life now uh, a lot of my liberal friends and uh, for that matter my I, I shouldn't even say liberal friends i should say uh my godless friends uh people that are atheists people who don't have don't factor God in their lives very much at all. You know, kind of think spiritually at best, but they don't really have a, a true sense of what's what in the God world. They'll say, what are you talking about? I, I would jump in. I don't know. I don't think so. I think uh, you have to have that ingrained in you. You have to know instantly there's a human 
that human is infinitely valuable. Um, unless you have that ingrained in you and you know that from being a, a religious person, it ain't going to happen. And uh, we, are we are not slowly losing it. We are rapidly losing that. So you get to the point where you end up being like Raskolnikov in the, the book Crime and Punishment. And without boring with the details, uh, the Raskolnikov, he was a guy that began to, he was a godless guy who decides that looking at a very old lady in, uh, that, in an apartment, he, decides, he sets out to kill her because he convinces himself very rationally that this woman is a burden on society. Um, in fact, he would be doing society a great favor by killing her. So he, sure enough, he does kill her. It has nothing to do with her. It's not as if he was rescuing her or not, or she she was actually burdening no, him. No, he was just implementing Obamacare, essentially. <laughs> he was implementing his his uh, ideology, and this woman didn't hurt him in the least. But he saw that she was a burden to society, generally speaking. So he was going to do society if he kills her, and he has it all wrapped up very nicely in his mind. And how it's going to go when he actually thinks about it. But, of course, nothing ever happens as you actually imagine it, right? And sure enough, her sister, who's also elderly, is there. So he ends up having to kill her at the same time. It's a bloody mess, literally bloody. And he has to deal with the consequences as a result. And the rest of the book is about how his guilt, sense of guilt, overwhelms him. And the godliness associated with, with us and everything else. Look, if you don't have this, uh, an instinct for the value of human life then ultimately you're going to start making these so-called so rational decisions whereby you say, well, this person should die. That's what's going to happen. It becomes easy. And it it's, super it's easy. the only way. It's why I say to my friends who give any thought to socialism, communism, right. type of pragmatism, right. the, the intellectual argument without any compassion at all, I tell them, there's only one place it's going to end, and that's the gulag, because it always ends there, and it has to end there. Right. It can't end anywhere else. That's exactly right. Oh, so well said. So well said. And, uh, and, and, and I have to say that uh, the, the maniacs of 9-11 and the other uh, Islamofascists, you know, and I'm, this is not about all Islam, of course, but it's about Islamofascism, uh, the extremists on that side of the table. They truly adopt a culture of death. And, uh, and what do you do in a culture of death? Well, you kill people in a culture of death. You not only kill your own people um, because it, it, it advances some sort of perceived greater good, but of course you kill the enemy, what you, who you perceive to be the enemy, willy-nilly, and it doesn't matter if they're women or children. What, what both movements, modern liberalism, the communism of, say, a, a Mao's China, and mm -hmm. the Islamo-fascists, uh, mindset is, and we, we saw this today, mm. is that people who harbor those kind of views where they believe their own lives are worthless, other people's lives are worthless, right. find it a greater gain to take away from others than to use their own opportunities themselves. That's yeah. why they mm. don't, you were talking about how they don't value their time. And, and, you know, people out there listening to this might go, yeah, yeah, but I'm not going to murder anyone. No, no, it, it's not about whether you're murdering anyone. It's about how much you're valuing and contributing to a culture that leads to people being able to murder That's exactly each right. other's. Well, and you can even do it passively. I mean, let's, let's use the example of all those wonderful Christians who saved the Jews during the Holocaust, right? Surprise, uh, very few atheists... Uh, you know, saved Jews during the Holocaust. Surprise, surprise. I'm not saying there weren't any, 
there were one or two. Yeah, and few, and even fewer pagans worshiping the, That's right. the Norse pantheon exactly. of Odin and Loki. Right. The vast majority, by far, of those wonderful people who did save Jews, 98% of them were Christians who were avid believers in Christianity and knew that the right thing to do was to, to go out there. Um, my brother said it very well. Um, he said, uh, those who... And he was quoting somebody else. Uh, the the best way to uh, encourage evil is to do nothing about it, right? Or to yes. to sit on the sidelines about it. And those uh, people, you know, could have sat on the sidelines and did, and done nothing about it. They could say, "Hey, it's not my problem." You know, those those Jews are that's their problem. And I was scared to jump in the whirlpool. I that's just right. Hid behind the tree and that's exactly right. I, I called nine one one on my cell phone. Right. You know, that's right. I tried. Yeah. In other words, if there's a, one message to be taken from here is get in the soup. Fight. And when you see evil, confront it. Yeah. And put your neck on the line because right. if you don't, you're next. Right. It's coming after you. There's a famous story from uh, Mark Stein's book. Um, I think it was America Alone or another book. Or After America. Uh, after America. Yeah, it was After America, I think. Where he describes a scenario, and it actually happened. It was in Canada. And uh, the, the socialist system there had taken such a hold that... Some maniac had come into some, uh, not a school, I think it was, maybe it was a university, I don't know. Uh, but he basically um, went to a gymnasium of some kind and forced them all in there with one gun and uh, told the men to separate out here and the woman to separate out there. And then the men were back there and uh, he goes into the room with the woman and he shoots them one by one. And the men uh, are hearing this. And the gunman, after finishing his handiwork, killing all the women, just continues to walk on past the men, and the men do nothing. And he even drops the gun, and the men still don't, don't do anything. I can tell you, I couldn't live with myself if I were one of those men. I don't they, think those guys are men. No, they're not, they're they're not men. That's true. They might as well have been yeah. castrated right there in that spot. I, I'm hoping that they... Uh, live a horrible life, a life uh, for the rest of their lives, and that they at least have some compunction about what what they didn't do. But the value of life is something that must be learned. And if you allow this monster to do what he did, as an example I just gave you, which is a true story, um, then how much easier is the signal that you're sending to everyone else to do the same when they're the people, aggrieved? The people in Islamic countries who either do nothing or pass out candy right. when when one of their own is dragged through the streets and mutilated yeah. or, or Jews are blown to bits mm -hmm. in a pizza parlor are the same as the people who stand idly by and watch horrible things in any other culture. Mm -hmm. And they're the same as the people who passively just watch and say, well, it's not my business. Right. They are committing, they're pulling the trigger themselves. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about the idea of dictators and gods where they get their power. A dictator doesn't have the power. It's the mob that gives the dictator the power. So if you allow yourself to be part of the mob that does nothing, right. as someone uses dictatorial personal power to kill someone, right. you know, dictating yeah. a decree of death upon another citizen... You're participating in that person's That's right. power trip. I think we have to get to the point where we simply have no choice. I mean, it, when you hear about these people who do rescue, who do wonderful things like jumping on the, the gunmen at the last second from behind and, and uh, doing it, 
and they say, wow, that was very brave of you. Or the guy who just happened to bring his gun to the mall that day and shoots the guy who was shooting right. up the mall. Yeah. When people interview those guys, usually it's men, it's fair enough, but they interview them, they all say something identical, something along the following lines. I just knew I had to do it, and it was just instinct. That's it. They never say the following. I was really terrified. I didn't know. I was evaluating what to do it. But then I thought to myself, well, I better, you know, maybe it's a good idea. And, uh, you know, I, I should probably do it because this person's really suffering. And I, you know what? Let's see if I can sum up the current. The no, no, they, they, don't, don't, say they that. don't become uh, Woody Allen in Annie Hall. That's right. Right? They, they become just... agents of action, not of intellect, not of emotion. Right. Action. They do it. Yeah. They just Bad do guy, it. gun, do, dead. Right. Live happily ever after. Can do. Can do. That's right. And will do. And and that is the kind of spirit that led to the success of this country, the Revolutionary War. People who were fighting staggering odds. I, I always am, imagine how uh, George Washington, how he made it. These men Imagine if he let his self-esteem get in the way right. of Yorktown or Valley Forge. These people. <laughs> My feet are cold. He was constantly <laughs> suffering with people uh, deserting and otherwise. But nevertheless, the army stuck with him. And those men who did stick with him, I was, was so impressed with. I mean, really think of it from the soldier's point of view. He would say, what the F is this country? I mean, come on. There's not going to be a country. We all know it. England's going to win this war. Uh, you know, why should I stick my neck out for this this phantom country? This this is a, a fantasy of yours, Washington. They don't even call you a general. They're just Mr. Washington uh, at best. So uh, we're all going to be deemed as traitors, and why should I do anything like that? That's what would happen today. But instead, these men stuck through. Why? Because their instinct was such that they had no choice. They knew that there was no choice. They knew that God expected much greater things for them. They knew that God expected freedom and liberty to fight for. Likewise, that's the culture we have to have. And there's no way we're going to continue on with that culture I, when we have a continually godless culture. I don't know what to say to you. You just made the most insensitive statement <laughs> lauding a man who cut down a tree. <laughs> he hurt a tree. Oh, that's true. <laughs> right? That. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> He's a tree killer. Oh, he also owns slaves, so, you know, that's right. <laughs> That's right. So you can dismiss everything I just said about George Washington. Well, there's a, from Washington to Reagan, Reagan had a great quote in one of the wonderful speeches. I believe it was the uh, Time for Choosing speech where he said, if we don't do what we need to do, history will record that we, those who had the most to lose, did the least to do to protect it. And right. that's really the question of what we're up against today, I believe, yeah. which is if we're not willing to respect and protect the idea that life is sacred. Right. At, as much as we can, as far as being uh, fallible humans, because none of us are perfect. We're all going to screw up sometime or another, usually on pretty big things from time to time. Well, speak for yourself. The, well, I was actually referring to other people. Uh, but we are. Right. But in the big picture, if we allow ourselves to devalue life and allow those who devalue life to control us and how we think and, and right. all that then we've truly lost and then and we've stopped fighting for all those things that make our life beautiful and sweet and worth living right the, I, I think that's exactly right I, you know I, we cannot life will have no meaning if we do not value life yeah. that's really the bottom line um, and and that's what nihilism is all about nihilism is a com complete destruction of everything that is meaningful 
is otherwise appears to have meaning because life has no meaning. That's the idea. And that's what we witnessed today. That's what we saw in, in so many different aspects, di different uh, tragedies that in the past 10, 20 years. And that unfortunately, I think we're going to see more and more of as people decide that there's life has no meaning. And uh, the best that they're going to seek uh, and hope for is that they want to get some notoriety and fame by killing other people or committing some other atrocious crime. Or even worse, those who are trying to make the uh, political agendas they hold come to fruition by using, out of convenience, a day like today. Yeah. Because, I mean, I cannot stand the way so many politicians, leaders, media people today are. It's all about guns. It's all about this. It's all about that. Yeah. And no one's saying, what about this culture that doesn't value human life? Right. That doesn't value truth. That, right. that values, uh, uh, you know, public relations and image. Right. That's right. And, well, and nothing uh, else. To, to prove your point uh, and, and why. Oh, I finally get a pro <laughs> point proven. Aha, counselor. <laughs> he admits. Um, to, to prove your point, uh, it, it's, it's almost too easy. You know, you can, all you need to do is you, you know that there were many guns in the past. We've had guns since, what, the 1500s, if not earlier? Um, and the guns got better and better and more accurate over time, you would expect there to have been these massive uh, crazy slaughters during the Revolutionary War times, during the Civil War times, and so on like that. You didn't. People didn't have these massive shootings. Uh, you can say, yeah, there weren't machine guns in the same way. That's fair enough. But, you know, they didn't do one. They didn't come into a, a saloon, for example, and just shoot one person at a time. They could have reloaded over and over again. It didn't happen. Uh, or, for that matter, they didn't have a bunch of knives all the time. The reason why is because there was a sense of mission. The mission is that we all belong to God. God expects great things of us. And there's tremendous value to human life. And when someone does do one of those things, he gets shot quick. That's right. And that's, and that's the appropriate remedy. Right. Right? Uh, so that's the way it should, should be. And, unfortunately, we are seeing a rapid deceleration of the value of human life. Well, it's a, it's a sad uh, day uh, in many ways, uh, especially since we are talking about the killings that just occurred today. But we thought we would talk about it more in the broader context of how this could happen and in the, in the broader perspective and how there's a devaluation of human life. Because if there's a devaluation of human life, then there's a devaluation of God's law by which we live by. That's exactly right. Oh, it's so true. And uh, I know we sound like a bunch of preachers, I suppose. but. Hell! <laughs> but but so be it. Uh, so be it. That, that, you know, and, and for me, you and I are both very scientific about our belief in God. We've come to it from a very rational place. And we've concluded, and I think very rationally, that there is a God. That, that the numbers dictate that there's a God. That it's very clear that there is a God. Uh, and once you accept that fact, then you have all sorts of other questions start flowing. Okay, well, there is a God. It's clear that there's a God. What does he want from us? Uh, what is it, how does he expect us to behave toward each other? Some of these are rhetorical questions. I don't think God would have us for the sake of just us bludgeoning each other. I think God expects us, expects us to be good to each other. Um, and then what is, our, what is our purpose in life? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's to improve ourselves to all the time, to make, make sure that we act godly as much as possible. Um, and then you begin to start seeing these other things like that God must value human life and expects us to value human life in the same way.
Because that's the only way you can actually exercise good in the world. Right. Well, if God is the creator, then God must intend for us to be creative and create life and create wonderful things Mm -hmm. and not be destructive. That's right. I've always thought through sort of the scientific rationality, the answer is so simple. Right. What's the meaning of life? Be creative. That's right. Create new life. Oh, boy. (laughs) You know? That's very funny. (laughs) You you have just spoken uh, the wonderful words that, that my dad has always said. Uh, he is. Uh, he said that's exactly right. That the the main purpose of life is to create. Exactly what you just said. Could, and and would have. I mean, why do you th- why do you way. think men have this incredible urge to go out to a bar each night and try to meet a girl to create life with? That's, no, that's true. Well, you know what I mean. It's, I don't think. That, I think that the last thing <laughs> they want to do is create life. They, they they simply want the they want the benefit without the burden of life. Uh, of creating a land. No, but they, their compunction is to do something that eventually will lead to right. <laughs> this. Yeah, no, I, I understand. You know? But, but, but that's, that's nature's way of simply getting you to reproduce because the joy of, of, of uh, actually reproducing something is, I mean, it's one of the greatest joys that, that a person can have. But anyway, we're, we're digressing on that point. The <laughs> point is that uh, life is to create. You, you, once you accept God as, as a reality... All sorts of questions start flowing, and all sorts of answers usually come with it. Uh, there are some answers we'll never have. We, we won't know exactly what God wants of us all the time. We, we certainly don't know. We won't know what God looks like. We don't know if God manifests himself uh, everywhere all the time. Uh, but nevertheless. And we'll never know why God makes us suffer things like, say, parking tickets. Exactly. Taxes, you know, the little things that are just, right, right. that we take so seriously in the moment. That's right, in the that, moment. That, that distract us from the big picture right. in life. You know, because it's a very easy thing to say, well, if, if I'm supposed to just be Zen and this and one with you, why do I have to worry about parking tickets? That's right. You know what right. I mean? Well, people want to, they want a world without obstacles, yeah. without problems. Yeah, right? and the answer to that is, well, life's not perfect. Well, there's always an obstacle. Like, yeah. like, just getting up in the morning is an obstacle. Just, um,. Having to even go to sleep is an obstacle in some sense. Like, why should I be burdened with it, the, the fact that I have to go to sleep? Right? I mean, that's, it's in, a, in a way, that's an obstacle. There's so many obstacles to deal with. I don't want to digress. This has been the Barack Lurie Show. Thank you for attending. We, uh, we appreciate it. We love it. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Thank you.